World's Finest Podcast, episode 37. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. Good evening to you, sir. So how are things with you? Pretty good so far. I mean, uh, I've got Anime Week in Atlanta this weekend. And, ah, uh, nice. I won't, I won't be anywhere near my house for this entire weekend, so mm. that'll, be, that'll be fun. Mm. And uh, let's see, what else is going on? What else is going on? Uh, picked up Rock Band 2. Haven't played it yet, but... Uh, I'm looking forward to it just because of the track list mm. and uh, and the new Metallica album came out. So I'm of course giddy as a schoolgirl. <laughs> I haven't heard that album yet. How is it? It really is a breath of fresh air. Is I mean, it? It is. It's uh, it's Metallica back doing thrash metal like they did in the '80s. It's like it's very much like uh, Injustice for All, and uh, that's a, that's definitely a good thing. Hmm. So um, it it really is. I'm. And I know I'm I'm the fanboy, so a lot of people can't trust what I'm saying. But yeah. really, really, it's it is a very very good album. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, very very happy about that. I don't know about that. I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll use See, iTunes to give it a uh, quick listen. You know, mm-hmm. use you know just listen to a couple of tracks there, or you know the, the freebie samples that is. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, I heard one song, whatever one they're using to promote the album i don't remember which one it was and i wasn't impressed um but you know one song doesn't make an album so yeah and uh i know and everybody is of course still like uh, saying anger uh, but uh, yeah it's nothing like that at all okay uh, it's not, not even remotely similar <laughs> okay so which is pretty much a good thing so uh yeah so anything going on with you no no Nothing at all. What still, a shock! <laughs> yeah, still, I'm still trying to uh, get over my headache from uh, about a week. Yeah. Oh, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, when, yeah, when was that? It was about a week ago. It was exactly. It a was. Week ago, it was. It? it was last Sunday we recorded that. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, <laughs> this past Friday, which would have been what the 12th of September, over on Earth2.net, episode 266 of Earth2.net, the show aired. In said episode of the show, James, Ian Wilson, and myself sat down to review the 1989 Batman film directed by Tim Burton. I love how you always have to take a big sigh before you say the, the movie title. <laughs> I know, and the thing is, it's not me trying to be funny. It's I really have to take that sigh before I. It, just it, it's second nature to you. Name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we spoke. I think we recorded about. Three hours and 45 minutes, so just under four hours. And I had to actually edit that down to about three hours. Yeah. <laughs> I edited out almost a full hour of that show. Um, but let's just say during the recording, um, <laughs> my head may or may not have hit my desk several times. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, when we when it was revealed. Don't, this- don't you dare. <laughs> I know what you're trying to do, and I'm, no. No, James. Oh, no. 
Oh, no, I'm not trying to give you massive blunt force head trauma. No, not at all. <laughs> no, James. So, yeah, if anybody wants to listen to that episode, remember... Yes, and you better damn well listen to it. <laughs> yeah, my head... After all, see, after all the clamoring, we get in emails from people asking, oh, why do you hate this movie so much? You damn well better listen to that episode. Exactly. Get off your ass. Exactly, yeah. Um, if you want to listen to it, of course, just head on over to earth2.net, www.earth-2.net. It can be found there on the main page. By the time this episode of World's Finest Podcast airs, uh, that episode of Earth2.net, the show, will be a little further down the page. Just remember, it is episode 266. Um, there's the Joker banner. You can't miss it. Um, you can always head to iTunes, download it from there. Again, just look up Earth2.net, the show. Or if you want to go to worldsfinestpodcast.com, um, I'll post it on the webpage, sort of like I did with uh, our talk about uh, The New Frontier and the 1966 Batman film. It can be there, too. So there's several different ways you can find this. I'm not going to put it in the WFP, uh, RSS, the iTunes feed. I'm not going to do that. So, like I said, those are the only ways you can find it right there. But, uh, yeah, as James said, you know, we've received tons and tons and tons of questions about that movie. You know, why don't you like it? Why do you hate it? When are you going to review it? So, you know, download this one. Download this one so you can hear why this movie is just so bad. Oh, And you know what? I will say, you know, we did, during the recording, give the movie credit when it deserved credit. We, oh, yeah. you know, we laughed at the things that should have been laughed at. We awed at the things that should be awed at. You know, we said, hey, it, it, if it weren't for that, then we wouldn't have BTAS, we wouldn't have the DCAU, the music was great. You know, we, we said all those things, but... The bad far outweighs the good people, and you're finally going to get to hear our thoughts on it. So, yeah. So give it a download. (laughs) Yeah, when I look at the download numbers for that one, I want to see a huge spike. I want to see that you people downloaded it, that the Earth student at the show listeners downloaded it. I want to see that you told your friends about it. I just want to see a huge spike for that one. And then I expect a lot of hate mail. So anyway, speaking of emails, should we get to our emails for WFP? Yes, all three of them. Yes. <laughs> okay. I got to say, you guys, I don't know what's going on. Two episodes back, we answered emails for an hour. In the last one, it was like maybe 20 minutes, and now we only have three. What's going on? As we're slacking, and, we de- yeah. and you know, we have a lot of email for our next episode, which is, of course, going to be our retrospective. Right, yeah, oh, of course, yeah, before we get into... Yeah. The email here, we should mention that. Yeah, next episode is going to be our Superman the Animated Series slash Gotham Knights retrospective. So if you want to write in about your thoughts about the series as a whole or both series as a whole, uh, your favorite moments, your least favorite moments, your favorite characters, um, just whatever, just whatever thoughts you have about those two shows, get them in by. Now I'm going to look at a calendar here. That episode will air on the 1st of October. Chances are, James and I will record that episode on the 28th of September. That's a Sunday. So make sure you have your emails in by that Saturday night, by the 27th of September, to make sure that they make it into the recording. Okay? Cool. Two weeks, folks. you got plenty of time. Exactly. Exactly. So on to the emails for this episode. Already, first one today is from TJ, who writes, Hey guys, I love the podcast. You have rekindled my love for the DCAU. I got a great joy from introducing this animated universe to my nephew, who has since started to read comics, which has gotten me back into comics. 
our favorite is the Flash comics. As I was listening, I started to wonder if Superman brushes his teeth, because he re- doesn't really need to eat. I figure plaque and bacteria wouldn't gather on his teeth. Also, if Superman can survive bullets and lasers, are plaque and bacteria really an issue? The only reason I can think of why he would brush his teeth is for the bad breath. Just wanted to know what you guys thought about that. P.S. Can't wait for you guys to get to Batman Beyond and the Zeta Project. Wait, wait. Can, can you repeat that, the postscript, James? Can you please say that one more time? Because I believe this is the first and most likely the only time we'll ever actually hear that. So one more time for me. I can't wait for you guys to get to Batman Beyond. Okay, yeah, we, we can understand that. And the Zeta Project. I'm ho- clenching my heart. <laughs> I am wow. speechless. Wow, someone who actually wants us to cover Zeta. Well, at the very least, we know we'll have one listener when we get to that that portion <laughs> of the DCAU. Because I fully expect everybody else just to drop off the face of the earth and then to come back when we get into the Justice League. Wow. You know, uh, that was by TJ, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, TJ, write back in and let us know why you're excited for our coverage of the Zeta Project. Because like I said, everybody so far has written in saying, don't cover Static, don't cover Zeta. But you're the exact opposite of that. So what is it about that show that uh, you enjoy? Um, now, getting back to uh, your statement that uh, you guys there love the Flash comic, which is great. You, you all know how I feel about introducing um, youngsters, especially young relatives, in the comics. So, again, you know, thank you for doing that. Um, but what is it about the Flash comics that uh, you guys are drawn to? You know, is is it the Flash himself? Uh, right now, he has a couple of kids. Is it the kids? Um, is it the family dynamic, the fun, the adventure? Just, just you know, just follow this email up. I, I really want to hear from you. And uh, how about Superman brushing his teeth? Hmm? Even though he doesn't need to eat, he still does eat. So he might just be cleaning up his teeth a little. That's all. You know. I figure with like his super powerful tongue, he could just clean his own teeth <laughs> and have that be that. <laughs> oh my god! I don't believe you just said super powerful tongue. Because now there are like a billion and one images running through my head. Um, oh. You know what? It, uh, when you talk about the shark gumming Batman's leg in uh, <laughs> Adam West Batman, you know what? We, we can call it even there. <laughs> okay, there's a difference between a shark gumming Batman's leg and a super tongue. Oh, jeez. Mm. Next, please. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Next email is from Chris, who writes, Hey guys, it's Chris. In Legacy, they show that Kara slash Supergirl is affected by Kryptonite, yet she is not from Krypton. She is from Argo. This wasn't explained in the series or your show. Is it because Argo and Krypton were quote-unquote sister planets, or because of the explosion set off by Krypton's destruction somehow affecting the people of Argo? The situation was also revisited in the JLU episode Chaos at the Earth's Core, where there's that huge hunk of Kryptonite underground. Kara loses her powers and comes face-to-face with the Kryptonite and doesn't die. Sorry if this is too hard to discuss. I've also seen all the shows in the DCAU except Gotham Girls and Zeta Project. Where can I get them on DVD? Keep up the good work, Chris. Um, I believe you can get the Gotham Girls uh, flash tunes on the uh, Birds of Prey uh, complete season DVD set. That's correct, right, James? Yes. Uh, But when it comes to the Zeta Project, they're not out on DVD and I don't expect them to ever come out on DVD. It just, it doesn't have the fan following to warrant a DVD release. Um, hey, if they do, great. You know, I'd, I'd love them to actually be out on official DVDs. But, yeah, um, you're going to have to go for uh, 
shadier means if you're going to want to get those. <laughs> um, what was the other part of the email? I forgot. About Supergirl being affected by kryptonite. That's a good question. What do you think about this one? Why would she be affected by kryptonite? She's from a completely different planet. The only thing I can think of is something else you mentioned in the email, that being Krypton's explosion uh, creating a massive radiation or maybe something else affecting Argo, because the explosion, is we found out, destroyed Argo. Yeah. So, And she was the only one who survived, so she'd be exposed to a, uh, that kind of radiation more than anybody. I don't know. But the thing is, I asked back when we did uh, when we had the Supergirl introductory episode, I asked, we had glowing green kryptonite out there in the middle of space when there wasn't a yellow sun around. So I don't know. I'm kind of confused by the whole thing myself. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the Argonians uh, because, you know, they lived on a sister planet. Maybe we can assume that at some point the Kryptonians populated that other planet. So the, the people of Argo, um, are Kryptonians just a few generations removed, maybe. So genetically, they're, you know, the same, at least not that different. Um, so maybe that's why kryptonite affects them, but it could be something to do with the explosion and radiation poisoning. And I don't know. I don't know. But that's, that, it is a real good question because that's something they could have done with Supergirl. Is, hey, she was from this other planet in the same system, but super, but, uh, you know, kryptonite doesn't affect her like it does Superman. That would have been really cool, but oh well, they missed it. And our final email today is uh, from our good friend Chris, who writes, Hey guys, I just had a few additions to the things you brought up last Wednesday. You talked about whether Ivy died in chemistry. Uh, she and Harley team up again in the static episode, Tough as Nails. Hmm, I did not know that. Hmm. Uh, James asked why Batman doesn't cure Joker, and you guys referred to the discussion in Moon of the Wolf. I thought I'd take a stab at this one, too. Ryder was a sane news reporter. He was exposed to chemicals, which made him yellow, agile, and very uninhibited, but not actually malicious. Batman counteracted those chemicals, and he returned to being a sane reporter. Joker, on the other hand, was a sociopath who was exposed to chemicals that made him white and green. Batman could counteract the chemicals, but and he'd still be a sociopath. In an alternate universe where Joker never fell into the chemicals, his victims might have been killed by different means, but the body count would be the same. Despite what he might try to get uh, naive psych interns to believe, the fall into the chemicals didn't make him a sociopath. It just influenced how he manifested. Counteracting the chemicals might make him look normal, but it wouldn't make him any less dangerous. You'd probably get the same effect by letting uh, Dick Grayson and Tim Drake go nuts with the bat spray paint. Uh, finally, I think it was Mike uh, who asked how Supergirl broke her arm by being shot in the chest. No, actually it was me. Uh, actually, the medical care was right. The straps around her shoulders make up uh, a figure of eight sling. It's used sometimes for broken collarbones, and she did get hit in the upper chest. Four more weeks to Batman Beyond. <laughs> Chris. Um, now, what are your thoughts about his first point in the email about Ryder? Because you're the one that brought that up during the show. I tried justifying it, um, but I think he did a much better job. So what do you want to say to that? Um, you know, I don't know what to say because the thing is – we were led to believe those were the same chemicals, and I thought the way Chris worded the first part of his email, uh, it, it was almost like he was saying those were different chemicals. So I don't know. I mean, well, I think again, what? But the the core of his email is that Ryder was just your normal guy who fell into the chemicals. He got gassed by the Joker and fell into the chemicals. So that's why 
He looks a little different. Okay. Uh, you can, maybe the Joker toxin made him not white, but yellowish. Okay. But the Joker or whatever his name was before he became the Joker, cause we all know what it wasn't. Um, when, <laughs> when he fell into those chemicals, he was already a sociopath. So even if Batman did cure him with a patch and no longer he was, and no longer would he be, you know, pasty white, he'd still be a sociopath. And that's what he's saying in his email there. So Batman isn't necessarily curing Ryder's giddiness. He's just curing the look. I don't know. I'm still, I still, I like the way he justified it there, but I still feel like we're stretching. Yeah. Because at the end of Beware the Creeper, Ryder is pretty calm. Yeah. uh, Sitting there with the patch on. So I don't know. It's, uh, I guess it's something just we'll never be able to explain. Okay, so today we are talking about the movie Mystery of the Batwoman. Um, what happens first is, in our opening scene, uh, we have a highway or a bridge out of Gotham, and these mobsters are secretly transporting some high-tech weaponry out of Gotham. And all of a sudden, a woman dressed up in a silvery bat suit starts attacking them and, uh, and almost causes most of them to die. She really has no regard for their safety at all. And, uh, you know, this goes on for quite a while. Uh, this, she's like dancing around on top of a, a, uh, a trail, a tractor trailer, and she's knocking all, all the weapons out onto the street, uh, breaking most of them and using, using one of them actually, uh, against the driver of the, of the car that's following up behind them. And eventually, you know, eventually Batman and Robin intervene to, uh, 
save one of these guys from crashing, like, driving off of the bridge and crashing to a street below uh, with the bat. And they help, you know, they save one with the bat wing. And uh, after this, Batman and Batwoman uh, have uh, they have this nice little glare, and Batman or Batwoman, I should say, flies off into the distance. Um, there, I don't know this this scene, this opening scene just took entirely too long. I thought, yeah, yeah, it, that was like the longest bridge ever. <laughs> this you know whole what? scene took place on that bridge. Yeah, it's it like, did. It did. Um, t- to me, I thought it was a strong opening in that it introduced this new vigilante. It introduced the overall plot of the film that there's uh, weapons being manufactured and distributed in Gotham. Um, it shows you that this Batwoman character is different than Batman. She doesn't care about uh, saving the life of, or excuse me, the lives of villains. And then Batman flies in and saves the day, but he ultimately can't get his hands on her. Um, yeah, it's strong. You know, it sets up the whole movie, but as you said, it is so long. It felt padded in parts, and it got to the point where I was like, okay, let's get to the opening credits and get the movie rolling. Come on, come on. And it just kept going and going. There's so much they could have trimmed out of it, despite the fact that I did like it. I feel that way. A problem I have with Batwoman here is that she's she's throwing all these weapons all over the highway where any of the – you know – schlub could come by and pick one up and take them wherever they want it's completely uh, counter counteractive to what she's trying to do now right. they show that a lot of them get destroyed when they hit the street but you know that there were dozens of those plasma rifles they can't possibly have all have been destroyed by hitting the pavement There's just exactly no that's the same exact thing i was thinking you know because okay let's say you know as you said she knocked dozens dozens of them all over the place okay so on this one the handle broke but on this one over here, the handle's fine. You get some guy who's just, you know, relatively smart and knows how to piece things together. He could find a couple of these weapons and put them all together in some new fixed-up form. You know? Mm-hmm. She's basically she's supplying the town with all the weapons, despite the fact that she's trying to stop the town from getting the weapons. You know? Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's... I watched that and I was getting so annoyed with her. I'm like, what are you doing? Blow up the truck with the weapons on it. Don't kick the weapons off, then blow up the truck. <laughs> um, now, what did you think about this costume? The silver and pink, uh, not unlike the black and red Batman Beyond costume? Um, I didn't have a problem with it. I, I didn't really take notice of the costume itself until we get to one of the final scenes of the movie uh but and i'll i'll get to that when that scene comes along because mm. it's it's a it's something i it's an animation glitch really is what i have to say it's just um i think i might know what you're talking about i think yeah. i might know okay does it involve the belt um no actually it does not oh okay so, because there's one point later on when <sighs> Batwoman, oh, okay, well, we spoil the fuck out of things anyway, so I'm just going to say it. One of the Batwomen uh, <laughs> is flying around, and she doesn't have her belt, but she's not the one that shouldn't have her belt. She should have her belt. And then the next time we see her, which is, like, just when they change angles, her belt is there. 
And I was like, oh, okay. So when you mentioned animation glitch, that's what I thought you were talking about. But okay, okay, I'm, I'm willing to be surprised. I'm willing to be well, surprised. Well, I mean, I can just go ahead and say it. It's just, it's the mask. Mm-hmm. They they repeatedly take the mask on and off. And these women uh, have long hair. And it's like they throw the mask on and off and on and off and off. And this that mask is only covering up to, like, their jawline. And yet it's covering all their hair up. So, And they're doing this while they're flying around over the oceans so there's i don't know it's just weird it's a i know it's nitpicky but still well you know i have to disagree with you there none of them had long hair none of them at all um kathy well, kane had short hair roxy had uh her hair i don't even think it came to her shoulders but she probably had the longest and then what was the police officer's name sonia? i can't remember her. sonia yeah hers was also short i mean it was she had bangs, but that was about it. No one had what I would call long hair. Okay, not long hair. I, you're right. But Rocky's hair fluffed mm-hmm. out. I can't believe we're discussing <laughs> these women's hair. <laughs> but but it, yeah, but it's still, it's like I know, know what I saw. It's just it's, I'm gonna have to go back to that scene and then let, just okay. like, and I'll like discuss. I can discuss this in uh, the feedback thread when okay. the, when that time comes. Okay. So, but uh, the only thing I'll last thing I have to say about this uh, opening scene is. These these mobsters, gangsters, whatever they are, are defending a tr- truck full of ultra advanced weaponry with pistols and shotguns. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I mean, really now, really, <laughs> the penguin couldn't supply. Okay, yeah, we're going to continue spoiling things here. The penguin couldn't supply them with something more, no, uh, high tech. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. That's a good catch. That's a really good catch. Um, getting back to the costume, though, um, I have to wonder if by giving her this design, they were trying to imply this is where Bruce got the idea for the suit that we would see him wearing in the beginning of Batman Beyond and the suit Terry would ultimately take control of in Batman Beyond. Um, cause otherwise I just don't get why they would design her this way with the ultra sleekness of it. Uh, it's very minimalist, um, with, like I said, the pink instead of the red, um, just, you know, with, with the eyes and all that, just the way it was designed. I really think that's what they were trying to imply. Do you, do you see it that way or what? Eh, I don't know. I'm maybe to some extent, but of course she still does have a cape and. You know, Terry's costume never has a cape. Right, yeah. But, you know, I can see, I can definitely see elements of how they could uh, tie it in with, uh, like, some kind of um, foundation for the the uh, Batman Beyond costume. So, anyway, after we have the glare of the bats, uh, <laughs> we, the, you know, opening credits roll, and afterwards we're in uh, Wayne Manor. And Bruce and Alfred are discussing, uh, you know, who this Batwoman can be, and... Uh, one of the uh, one of the greatest Alfred one-liners ever uh, <laughs> occurs here, where Bruce says, "The last thing Gotham needs is a vigilante running amok." So, <laughs> right on cue, Alfred says, "As they say on the streets, I ain't touching that one." <laughs> I love I love the very proper British Alfred getting all street. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was great. Um, Regarding this this scene, did you happen to notice that Bruce looked really young here? Yes, he did. He looked older than the flashback Bruce that we've seen before, like when he trained in, uh, I think, where where was it, Tokyo. But he looks much younger than the Bruce Wayne we're used to 
from Gotham Knights, and obviously this is set after Gotham Knights because you know, or at the very least during it, um, because you know Tim is there, or we see Babs, you know, we know when this is supposed to be set, but he right. looks so much younger. I don't know like that. It didn't bother me. It just took a little getting used to. Um, and there's a lot of things we had to get used to. Uh, a new voice for Penguin was yeah, one of those. A voice for Tim also. Yeah, I thought that was a new voice. Was that a new voice for Bane as well? Yes. Okay, because that Bane was played much more Spanish than I'm hearing. Yeah. He, being I mean, he was like, over, I mean, over the top, over yeah, the top I mean, Spanish. Exactly. I mean, he, he, amigo, amiga, you know, senor, Senor's. senorita. He was, he was using all that. And I'm like, okay, it makes sense for Bane to do that. It makes a lot of sense, but he's never been played like that before. So why is he all of a sudden just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's getting in touch with his roots. That's what he's, that's what he's been I, doing. Yeah, since I guess. He's in Gotham. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get back to the penguin and Bane, uh, later on. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, that's okay. But, uh, that's that's a really short scene. After this happens, we um, we get introduced to uh, reintroduced, I should say, to Rupert Thorne, who is meeting a new crime boss, at least to us, uh, Carlton Duquesne, um, at uh, this phony novelty making warehouse. It's one of Penguin's front businesses, um, and they're there to speak to uh, Penguin about the attack on the goons the night before. And uh, as you can you can probably guess, Penguin is not too happy that uh, Duquesne's men. Uh, weren't able to safely ship out the weapons delivery because apparently the sale was to Kaznia, which we all know is the central hub for all terrorist activity in the DCAU. And um, the problem presented to the Penguin is that Kaznia has already paid him half a billion dollars for these weapons. And since he spent most of it already, uh, and the Kaznians you know, want to get their money back for not getting their weapons, it would present something of a problem for them. Wait, wait, how do you spend half a billion dollars? How did Joker get uh, $10 million of real money and uh, a bunch of hundreds of millions <laughs> of fake dollars? I don't know. I don't know how money works in this universe. I don't. Yeah. When, when the Penguin said that, I was like, really? You've spent almost all of the half a billion dollars. Half a billion dollars. I'll say that again. That terrorist gave you? On what? I mean, if the Penguin was living some ultra-posh lifestyle now, you know, like he owned like an entire sky rise, you know, had women around the clock, it was just champagne all the time, then maybe I could see it. But he's still running the Iceberg Lounge as if nothing has changed in his life. That that really bothered me. I mean, if he if they would have said it was like, a $50 million deal and he had spent it all or come close to spending it all. Maybe I'd be able to suspend my disbelief, but a half a billion, $500 million. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like Dr. Evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, oh. now earlier, I just a few seconds ago, actually, I, uh, brought up the penguins new voice. What was going on here? Where was the old penguin voice? Do you know? I, I, I really couldn't get used to this voice. This isn't my penguin. You know, this just isn't my penguin. I'm so used to that other voice. It was such a distinct, almost lovable voice. And this one, there was nothing unique about it. I know. I love Paul Williams' portrayal of Penguin. It was, he, he really was. He was perfect for 
the character. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't, why they couldn't get him back. It's it, it's strange. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the guy died or anything. <laughs> yeah, or you know, I don't know why they couldn't get someone who sounded a lot like him, or could at least emulate the voice that he did for the penguin. To bring in a whole new actor with a whole new voice really throws you off. When you see the penguin, you're like, yay, the penguin. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not the penguin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And as you said, uh, of course, Thorn is there. But, uh, okay. Again, people, go listen to episode 266 of Earth Student at the show. Do you know why Thorn is there? Because it's convenient for the plot. He is totally impotent. I mean, he picks up a gun and fires it near the end, and that's it. The rest of the time, he says maybe a word here, a word there, and plays with a deck of cards? Where'd that come from? All of a sudden, he has, like, a lucky deck of cards that he plays with? Yeah, apparently. Thorn was simply there because... Because of some... One? Well, I'm trying to think. Was she the only one that wanted revenge on him? Yeah, remember if yeah, she was, No, no, no. I, I knew she wanted revenge on him, but I was trying to remember if anybody else wanted revenge on him, too. No, um, because what they did was they had each woman wanted revenge on one of the, uh, right, the three yeah. crime bosses. Yeah. And, oh, I mean, okay, Duquesne, you know, his role wasn't great either, but at least um, he didn't come across as being totally weak. They did a good job of explaining why, why Kathy... Uh, despises her father so much. Right, exactly. You know, Penguin, we understand why he's there too. But Thorn is just there to give uh, Sonya someone to go after. And that is it. That is it. And he does nothing. And I was, when at first when Thorn popped up, in my notes, I have just one line in my notes just saying, yay, Thorn! Because when was the last time we saw Rupert Thorn? It's been a uh, long time. Uh, you know what? I think it was when we had Bane. The you know the original episode yeah because he didn't appear in any of the Gotham Knights episodes did he so to see him here I was like yeah Rupert Thorne's back and yeah wait what what they do to Thorn he's he's doing nothing I was so mad at this and you know furthermore why would Rupert Thorne ever trust Bane <laughs> after what happened in the episode with Bane in it mm-hmm mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, not that he could really do anything about it, because, I mean, what's Rupert Thorne going to do against Bane? But still. <laughs> and then, of course, we, we've uh, really barely mentioned Duquesne here. But uh, the one thing I notice about this Duquesne guy is that he either doesn't get a lot of sleep or he gets punched in the eyes a lot. <laughs> what is with those bags under his eyes? Mm-hmm. I, I think we have to assume he doesn't sleep a lot. <laughs> I, I guess. That's the only thing I could think of there. Because... It, the whole is his character is animated with those like bagged eyes the whole damn time. But afterwards, uh, the aforementioned Duquesne, we see his his home, uh, a ridiculously tall building, not unlike Carl Grissom's. Um, <laughs> and uh, we see his daughter Kathy uh, coming in from a shopping spree while uh, Carlton is busy screaming at one of his associates on the phone. Because he figures someone had to have leaked the information about the shipment because apparently nobody but them knew about it. So he wants to know, you know, who leaked it uh, to to Batwoman herself or to somebody else who may have told this Batwoman person. And, uh, yeah, so Kathy comes in and starts jibber-jabbering and uh, Carlton yells at her for not telling him where she went and, and – uh, 
because, you know, he's really overprotective of her because, uh, well, you know, he's a crime boss and he's not very well liked by a lot of people. So, and of course, you, later on, we learn the truth mm-hmm. about where his where his wife is, where her mother is. And if you don't mind me jumping the gun, about 10 years ago, there was an assassination attempt on Duquesne's life, missed him and hit his wife. So that explains why he's really protective of his daughter is uh, he doesn't want anybody to go after her and uh, kill her, basically. I mean, he it doesn't come across in the character, but, you know, he feels bad that his wife was caught in the crossfire. And for that to happen to his daughter, he couldn't take it. But, yeah, it's you, you have to read between the lines to get that because that's that's not in the script. It's not in the characterization. You just have to make that assumption. Yeah, he's just an angry motherfucker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I noticed that every time he's mad, he's pounding on his desk or throwing things off his desk or just yelling at someone. And I was like, dude, just like chill out, you know, like it's okay to be mad in the vent, but your anger is a little much. So um, after this scene, which really only served to introduce Kathy, nothing else, um, we have Alfred, Bruce and Tim uh, riding around the city watching the TV in their uh, – luxury automobile and on the television commissioner gordon is being like followed by a, a hound a hounding reporters and he flat out states that batwoman is not working with batman um and in the car we have a phone call and barbara is calling bruce and she's flirting with him saying that she'll be back in gotham for for uh two weeks and won't that be nice <laughs> And she uh, she also wants to know if uh, Bruce got a new partner, because if she did, she'd be really upset. Uh, so Bruce pretends that they're going through a tunnel and, like, crumples up a magazine in into the the uh, receiver. So, you know, just to play it off. And uh, they, you know, fans like a distur- uh, call disturbance and hangs up the phone and uh, to get off this extremely, extremely awkward phone conversation. Yeah, Bruce and Barbara. When see, this is the thing. When was this supposed to have happened? I mean, was it right after Gotham Knights? I mean, I I, I guess it would make some sense because yeah. uh, Dick Grayson basically kicked Babs to the curb. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, it's just it's weird because Bruce has got to be in his thirties, right? <laughs> well, oh, at this point, Bruce would be pushing forty. Right. Um, I know we were just having this discussion over at the forums in regards to. You know, the age of uh, Dick, uh, Wally, the Flash, and Speedy, who we would see in the Justice League. Um, You know, how old are they? And I was postulating that they'd be about 25 by the time Justice League rolls around, you know. So, you know, if you just if you just do some math, you got to figure Bruce is getting real close to 40 at this point. And Barbara, you know, like Dick, would be. 23, 24 at this point. You know, that's not a huge age difference. You know, I mean, it's 16 years, but they're both adults. You know, it's not like she's 16 and he's 40. That That's a bit different, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm just, it's it's not the age factor that bothers me. It's just the, the Bruce and Barbara factor. Really? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, what I was getting at too. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking at this point because in Batman Beyond, don't they come out and say that he and Barbara had a relationship? Yeah. Okay. So my guess is that at this point they haven't. It's 
Barbara is maybe just letting her feelings uh, be known, not for the first time to Bruce, and he's very uncomfortable with it, be it because he can't get close to anybody that way, be it because of the age difference, be it because that's Dick's sloppy seconds. I don't know. But there's something that's making him uncomfortable, and I just don't think they've had the relationship yet, but soon they will, and then we get whatever happens between them. That's, I don't know. and That's all I can go with. I mean, do you think they've slept together at this point, or is it still on the horizon? I don't think they've slept together. Yeah. Okay. I, d- I don't. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It's just out of nowhere, really, because mm-hmm. we have never seen before this, this kind of really hardcore flirting. Yeah. The Which last one? time, the last time we saw Barbara, I believe was at uh, Bruce's wedding to the plant woman and she was still hitting on Grace in there. Remember? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, someday you'll settle down. And what did he say? Not likely or not with you or something like that. So, yeah. and then, to the curb. yeah, so what, so what, maybe a few months later, a year later, she's completely over, ooh, I almost said Dick, Grayson, <laughs> she's completely over Dick, <laughs> oh, God, oh. Ian's going to have a field day, um, <laughs> okay, anyways, she's completely over Richard Grayson and has moved on to Bruce, I, I just, I really wish they would have, if they were going to go this route, which is fine, that's fine. Just they should have built it into Gotham Knights, where we started to see them flirt once in a while, maybe get close here and there, and then kind of pull away because it's awkward. They realize maybe they shouldn't be doing this, and then we get this, and then we get the stuff in Batman Beyond. I, but just to have her be all like, "Hey, I'm going to be home in a couple of weeks. Isn't that great?" Mwah, mwah, mwah. You ain't got anybody else because I'd be jealous and I might tell my pappy who you are. That's just so weird. That's, okay, she didn't say the thing about telling Gordon, but I made that up. But anyway. <laughs> she, she could have uh, led that into that after, until he crumpled up the magazine and was like, oh, uh, yeah. uh, going tunnel. Uh, yeah. Can't talk now. Yeah, there we go. That's why, that's why Bruce ended up sleeping with her down the line because he knew that if he shunned her, she would just go to Gordon and be like, by the way, Batman, Bruce Wayne. You know? <laughs> He just, had no choice. He was blackmailed yeah. into it. <laughs> uh, I guess there are worse fates than being blackmailed into sleeping with Barbara Gordon, but... Oh, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> so, anyway, after this, we go to Wayne Tech, and uh, we have a woman named Roxanne Ballantyne, who mostly gets called Rocky uh, in the movie. Uh, is She's giving a presentation on this new alloy, and she's having quite a quite a difficult time of it. She's dropping her charts and fumbling everything her words it's just it's it's really just you feel bad for you Mm -hmm. but uh she's uh trying to give a presentation on this new alloy that she can program into any shape she wants she actually shows into it and it's everyone is very impressed especially bruce so uh bruce takes her to dinner so basically so he can gather information on this because he he's sure he can use this uh on patrol as batman um, I have to say, I love the character of Rocky. I really, yeah. she's, she's really endearing, you know? Yeah, I wish they would have spent more time with her than uh, Kathy Duquesne. Yeah. I, it's not that I disliked the Kathy character, it's just she was the more sensual one, you know? She was one of the shady past, the one that would allow Bruce, 
He's, take, that's the, that's the one Bruce would suspect first of being Batwoman. So it makes sense plot wise to put him with her. But Rocky just, I know there was, I, I don't know, maybe it's because I like, you know, geeky girls and that's mm-hmm. exactly what she is. I feel she was kind of shortchanged because it's like, oh, we get her here. We get her a little later and then there's the end of the movie and we get a bit of her there. And it's like, no, there was so much potential with that character and they yeah. wasted it. Yeah, and uh, just to give Bruce some time with a mobster's daughter. Oh, yeah, and you know Kelly Ripa did a really good job. Uh, she did. Uh, she she portrayed the character uh, perfectly. Just this poor this poor woman is like she's desperately trying to get her her boyfriend out of prison, who's been uh, framed for I don't know. I can't remember what it was for some some crime by the Penguin. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, she was so endearing. Everything about her, you just you just like her. It's it's great. It's great well, writing on the on the part of the the creative team. Well, because see, that's the thing with her is we've got Kathy Duquesne, who of course we should mention. Kathy Duquesne is a tribute to Kathy Kane, which is the name of the original Batwoman from the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what that's what they were doing there. But anyways, you know, we've got Kathy who's the young, sort of sexy, troubled girl, you know, but she's, she's pretty sure of herself. Then we've got Sonia, who's the very capable cop, who's sure of herself. And then we get Rocky, who's not so sure of herself. She's much more human than the other ones, you know. She's trying to give this presentation and be very professional about it, but she can't. She's nervous. She's knocking shit over, stumbling over her words. And then she's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. And she does it the way she would do it. And it goes over well. And, you know, we're all like, yeah, she's being herself. That's great. You know, she she does have a little bit of confidence in there. And then later on, we see her interacting with Bruce. And again, she's stumbling over her words and because she accidentally implies that he might be gay. And it's that funny. Is, that is such a funny scene. Yeah, you know, because it, it's stuff like that's happened to all of us. You know, when we're just trying to have a casual conversation with someone, maybe flirting a little, and we say the wrong thing. And then, you know, she she's playing with uh, Tim. You know, she's having a good time with him, showing him tricks on a new computer game. And, you know, th- there's something endearing about that. And um, it's, it's just... Uh, yeah. I love this character so much. I really do. Because, like I said, she was the most human. Because, like you said, Sonya, she's she's the cop that Batman saved when she was a kid. You know, Kathy is just the troubled girl. And, you know, that's not that compelling to me. But this girl is. Because of, granted, she was given so little time, but they did the most with the time they had. But uh, after this scene, we uh, go to the top of Police HQ, where we're introduced to Sonya, uh, who's apparently now Bullock's new partner. What happened to Renee Montoya? She got promoted. She was shot in the line of duty. I don't know. Where's Renee? <laughs> I hate that we never get an explanation for her absence. I yeah. hate it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, so what they're doing on top of Police HQ, uh, they're going over the remnants of the contraband that Batwoman threw all over the highway. I don't really understand how they only have like six or seven pieces when there's shit everywhere. <laughs> the rest was stolen. <laughs> People were like, think... hey, guns, excellent. And they just ran away with it. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. But uh, Batman's looking at them and he recognizes one of them as uh, one of the pieces as part of a plasma rifle. 
And Sonya jumps in and says that there's another piece there from a service-to-air missile. Um, so she introduces herself, and uh, Bullock is just like, what are you doing? This is supposed to be – I'm supposed to be the one talking here, you know. And uh, he's twirling around this keychain, and uh, Batman takes it from him and asks him where he got it. So And Bullock says that he got it from one of the goons from the, uh, uh, from the first scene. And the little keychain design is actually the logo of Penguin's front company um, that was making all those little knickknacks and stuff. Uh, so that's uh, after this, Batman goes off uh, to storm the Brick a Brack warehouse, which is what the, the name of Penguin's little front company. Now, I, I want to stop you right there just real quick. Mm -hmm. um, I should note that this was the very first time I've ever seen this movie. I. You know, I just never desired to watch this. I had never heard great things about it. I heard it was okay at best. So I was like, okay, okay, I'll get to it when I get to it. And that was going to be, you know, before we recorded this episode, obviously. And uh, so I had no clue who Batwoman was going to turn out to be. I had no clue that it was going to turn out that there were three Batwomen at all. None of, not, no, not, I never knew. I never looked this up on Wiki or anything. But it was right after this scene on the rooftop, after we met all three women. Because obviously they give us three women, so we know it's going to be one of those characters. You know, and they're going to lead us to believe it's this one. No, it's this one. No, it's that one. And as I thought about it, I'm, I realized right then and there that it was all three of them. <laughs> I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but I swear I did. I figured out that they were going to be getting the police intel from Sonya, that uh, it was uh, uh, Kathy who there was something in her background that was going to make her want to get revenge on her dad, and it was going to be uh, what uh, uh, Rocky's uh, tech that was uh, allowing Batwoman to do her Batwoman stuff. So, like I said, I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but at the same time, pat, pat, pat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Batman and Robin pull up to the uh, warehouse and they notice no one's around but all of a sudden they uh, hear gunfire and they head into the place to find Batwoman duking it out with about 20 or so goons and all three of them uh, kind of sort of momentarily team up to beat the crap out of all of them and uh, Batwoman lets Batman know that there's a bomb planted below them in the weapons manufacturing facility below the warehouse it explodes, the whole, everything's going to hell, and Batman has to take off after Batwoman, who's now escaping. But uh, first off, I have to say that there's a great line here that opens up the scene before they even start going to the fight scene or anything. Robin asks Batman, what do they make here? And Batman says, trinkets, figurines, weapons of mass destruction. It's, it's, it's the way it's delivered, just so deadpan. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's supposed to be funny, but it's, it's the Batman delivery, like... It makes yep. sense in his world that you would make weapons of mass destructions right next to knickknacks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but then when we start getting into the fight scene, I love how when all three of the you know quote unquote heroes are standing uh, back to back to back there, uh, looking at being surrounded by like twenty or twenty one goons. Um, the goons start closing in on them, and they start flying backwards as if they'd been punched or kicked, yet the character models of all three heroes didn't move an yeah. inch. I got that, too. <laughs> yeah. 
And, but uh, I'm going to have to tell you, this is one of just it's just a microcosm of the many, many animation problems in this movie. Mm. There are a lot. Um, but, I'll, you know, we'll get to those in the in the scenes to come. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, Batman is ch- chasing after uh, Batwoman uh, through the rooftops and they get into a little momentary fight and she actually manages to land a punch or a kick on Batman's face. He stumbles backwards and just then just stands back up and look just stares her down. She uh, gets on her glider, starts flying off, and Batman uses one of his grapples to grapple onto the glider instead of just you know throwing a tracer on her. Yeah, it, you, we've already seen this one has no qualms with killing people, but mm-hmm. uh, he's just gonna you know fly around, and, you know. Uh, you know that the grapple's cable is going to get severed at some point. I don't know. It just didn't make any sense to me. I don't know why he wouldn't just put a tracer on her and just find her, and that would be that. So after this scene, we go back to Carlton Duquesne's house for some reason. Um, this really is one of the most pointless scenes in the entire movie. Batman shows up, uh, beats up Duquesne's bodyguards, and he leaves after Duquesne yells at him. Yeah. <laughs> and the only purpose this scene served was to have Kathy see Batman man on her property and mm-hmm. batman comes across as a chicken shit yeah he just he runs away and and yeah. i guarantee you any kid that saw this movie thought the same thing i did oh he's right. he's, a, he's a chicken shit <laughs> yeah it wasn't he didn't disappear in his batman way where they they blink or they look away and suddenly he's gone as you said he ran away literally ran after duquesne said get off my property yeah Okay, I'm going to take a point off really for that. <laughs> I am. I, it's it's so monumentally mm-hmm. just stupid on so many levels. Um, so really, this scene just shifts to the next morning at their house, and uh, well, we should know that the reason Batman went there to begin with is because he was able to track the glider after uh, he got cut off of it after his grapple grapple line was cut. He uh, landed and he picked up binoculars and he saw where the glider went. And that was at Duquesne's house, right? So it's not like Batman just showed up to harass Duquesne and then get told off. He was he was still trying to track Batwoman, and that's why he starts to believe that it's Kathy that is in the costume, right? Because uh, Batman and Kathy make eye contact in the mm-hmm. uh, in the night the nighttime scene there. So uh, she leaves to go shopping with her uh, two incredibly clumsy bodyguards. Um, one of whom has a black uh, black eye, thanks to Batman the night before. And uh, then Bruce and Alfred are down on the street below, and they decide to follow after Kathy. Um, I have uh, several notes about this scene, actually. Another great uh, Alfred one-liner, first off. I see where Dennis the Menace is one step closer to Juvenile Hall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred here. He is so disinterested in what's going on. You know, he's just reading the funnies. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and then r- just shortly after that, when they're you know they've been following Kathy around all day long, and um, uh, and, and Bruce finally Bruce asks, "How many stores has this been?" Uh, and he says, seven, sir." So uh, Bruce just goes, "You know, Alfred, I think I could use a new watch. You deserve it, sir." <laughs> and he just he doesn't turn his eye away or anything. He keeps yeah. reading the paper. <laughs> He's just Alfred is gold in this movie. He really is. He's, he's one of the you know, the shining bright spots in this movie. Yeah. Um. But uh, 
then we get in. We actually get into the. Uh... Wait, I, I have the question though. Why was it that Bruce was following her? I mean, I know he thinks she's Batwoman at this point, but if she's out there with her bodyguards, what does he think she's going to do with yeah. them in tow? I didn't quite get that. I mean, if she had gone out alone, then I could understand the the spying on her. But with the guards there, at this point, he doesn't know that she hates them hanging around. He doesn't know that she wants to get away from them. She, he knows none of that. Not unless he's using his super psychic powers. But because he doesn't know that, what, what does he hope to see? I, I just was not getting this scene at all. I mean, yeah, it was there to set up their meeting and then their romance and blah, 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 blah. But I, I really wish she just would have been alone. We get into the uh, department store where Kathy is trying on clothes and stuff. And uh, Bruce is actually, you know, at the watch case, just fidgetedly trying on watches. And uh, Kathy manages to get away from her uh, bodyguards for a few minutes. And she uh, sneaks up on Bruce and, and asks her or asks him, I should say, uh -huh. um, <laughs> asks him if he can help her get out of the store without them seeing uh, seeing her. And so he reluctantly says, okay. So they start uh, making their way out, and uh, while this is going on, the bodyguards are over there goofing around with the women's clothing, and uh, the, the one guy with the black eye uh, is trying on a chapeau. That's, that's quite stylish. Um <laughs> I actually and, like that. I thought that was funny because yeah. these guys, they don't want to be guarding the spoiled brat. You know, she hates them. They hate her. They they got the shit kicked out of them the night before, and they just want to have a little fun. So they're going to try on a scarf here and there or maybe a hat. You know, it's stupid and it's silly, but I got a chuckle out of it. Yeah, I did too. But I got a, even more of a chuckle out of the guy with the black eye pounding the clothes rack and, say, and the, black, or the black guy saying, I miss working for the Joker. Yeah, that was good too. Yeah. Uh, but then, then we start. They the bodyguards uh, notice Kathy and uh, Bruce walking away, and they start chasing after him. They go down this escalator, and this animation is horrible. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. They look like they literally look like pop up book cutouts. Being moved around on a, on a background, yeah, yeah, it is it is terrible, terrible animation. Um, and then these guys, uh, Bruce manages. <laughs> yeah, this is this is great. I forgot about this until right now. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Kathy and Bruce manage to get down the escalator. Bruce turns the escalator off as they're on it. They trip the. White guy uses the the black guy as a bobsled. They go flying into a glass case, and they don't have a scratch on them. But uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's quite funny. Just the image of the guy with the black eye holding his, his partner, <laughs> holding yeah. his partner. <laughs> like if they go down the stairs, I was like, this is the strangest thing I've seen all day. This is <laughs> fucked up because it's <laughs> you just have to see people you do i mean you just oh my god just bouncing off of one stair after another and the guy's like a sled and they yeah. flying into this case of jewelry yeah he's 
the, the black guy, he's not struggling against it. He's not grunt. Nothing. Nothing. It's like he's enjoying being this guy's bobsled. It's so weird. And then, as you said, they, they crash into this wall. The black guy's head clearly goes through glass. I don't remember what happened to black eye guy. Uh, I think the, I think he went, went over the counter or went over yeah, something. Yeah, I, I don't think, think he did. He, yeah. think he over the counter. Yeah, and they both get up like nothing. They, no busted ribs, no scratched up, gashed faces from being put through of windows or display cases or anything. Nothing. So after this, uh, Bruce and Kathy managed to get out of the department store with Bruce using an umbrella to block the revolving door. Uh, so the, the goons go crashing into more glass, but this time it does, mercifully doesn't break. Um, so they, they jump into Kathy's car, and they drive off, and Alfred uh, is to follow after them. But Kathy's insane driving uh, causes Alfred to lose track of them, and he says, you're on your own, sir. And uh, they I like that. I like the fact that Alfred did try to save Bruce, because at that point, he doesn't know what's going on. He just sees Bruce and this girl come running out of the department store, you know, and bodyguards are giving chase. You know, what happens if those bodyguards catch up? I liked Alfred trying to play the hero, even though he knows Bruce is who he is. Right. It was, uh, it was, it, it was like father it, figure and protector. Yeah. Right. That That's exactly what I was going to say. It was very much, I think, uh, Alfred's fatherly instinct kicking in. I mean, he knows Bruce doesn't need to be protected, but it's still, for lack of a better word, his son. So, of course, he's going to go after him. Yeah. So, they go, you know, Kathy drives through a toll booth, They and Bruce gives her, like, this stern, mmm, look. <laughs> Kathy, Kathy's like, oh, really very playfully and sarcastically. And they wind up at a, a cliffside o- overlooking the, the ocean. Kathy and Bruce start talking. Kathy explains that uh, her mother died many years ago. And at this point, we don't know the circumstances around it. We, of course, set, mentioned them earlier, but... Right. Uh, she just says to Bruce that she's dead, and Bruce says, "Oh, I'm sorry." And then she goes, "She says, oh, everybody's sorry.'" And um, she, you can tell she's uh, not too happy having to relive this again, because apparently she's told this story quite a few times. That's what I gather from this. It's funny. It's like I don't want everybody's sympathy, but I'm still going to tell you the story. Like, yeah. <laughs> then don't tell people the story if you don't want the sympathy. Somehow the bodyguards managed to find them, even though God knows how many turns they made on that mountainside road. But uh... Well, I think you have to assume that they know that this is her favorite hideout to get away from her dad, to get away from city life and all that stuff. Because, as she said, this is where her and her mom used to go all the time. Um, they used to paint and draw out there. So I wouldn't be surprised if the goons had even taken her out there from time to time, just to sort of relax. So this is probably the first place they thought of. They might be bumbling fools, but that doesn't mean they don't know her routine. Okay, I'll buy that. Okay. Um, so they they pick her up. She tells them, down boys, don't, like, don't go after him. He didn't do anything. She actually lets uh, Bruce keep the car. Uh, she's like, eh, bring it back sometime or not. You know, there's plenty more where that came from. And um, after this, I believe, is where we go back to outside police headquarters, uh, where Batman confronts Gordon, uh, Bullock, and Sonya uh, mm-hmm. with his theory that uh, Kathy is uh, the Batwoman. 
Um, so, and this is really, it's very short, so you know, it lasts a few seconds. But uh, after this, we go to uh, one of Penguin's many abodes where he's talking to Thorn, and he's in a near, he's pretty much in a state of near panic uh, because of how bad a situation they're in. Um, because now Batwoman has now destroyed their manufacturing facility, stopped the original shipment, so she's a big thorn in their ass, no pun intended. Um, so he decides that because Batman, or Batman, Batwoman nearly killed Batman, uh, Duquesne is unreliable and they need some muscle. Here's a question. How did Penguin find out that Batwoman nearly killed Batman? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, really, there's it happened out in the middle of the sky where no, they weren't around. The goons had all cleared out. God knows where all of them ran off to. Mm-hmm. There, there's no way he could have found out about it. They then notice some flashes of light coming from the next room, and they go, they go in to find Batwoman taking pictures of their secret classified documents <laughs> in the file cabinet. And um, she beats the crap out of them and escapes. Uh, so, well, they... Penguin doesn't go down easily. He does start shooting at her like like crazy. He's what's he shooting at her like darts or darts? Yeah, first it was a dart, but then all of a sudden they're bullets. Yeah, so I don't know what he was shooting at her, but it's not like he got knocked down and she ran away. He fought back, and at this point I was like, "Yeah, shoot her!" (laughs) (laughs) I started getting annoyed with the Batwoman character. I was like, "Go, Penguin, go!" Oh man, but uh, you know, after after they've been uh, taken down, Thorn is just like whoever you want to bring in is fine by me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. After this, we get a very risque shot of Kathy Duquesne's ass and legs, um, coming out of their pool, and we see Carlton Duquesne going uh, again. No pun intended. Batshit after hearing that Penguin is basically replacing him. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Kathy's just looking on, and she's she's noticeably annoyed because, of course, she's just at this point she's just hating her father more and more by by the minute. And uh, we go to, I believe this is where we go to Rocky, uh, showing Tim about that uh, getting past that really hard level in the uh, PC game. Right. Yeah, we go back to Wayne's office. Yeah. Right, and. Uh, so Tim is just ecstatic because uh, he now he can beat a game that none of his friends can beat, and he's all excited. And Bruce comes in and shoes him out the door. Uh, and this is mm-hmm. where we have Rocky going into ultra ultra awkward mode, where she accidentally asks Bruce, not in so many words, if he has a boyfriend. <laughs> that was so great. Does Bruce ask if if she has a? Yeah, boyfriend? Bruce asks if she has a boyfriend, you know, just, he's, he's just making shit chat with her, you know? And, uh, she, I forget what she says, but she's like, what about you? Oh, I don't mean boyfriend. I mean, and then she goes into this whole thing. Even if you've heard it before, you have to hear this again because it's so perfectly awkward. It's hard to write awkward dialogue and have it seem believable. And it's, it's gotta be even harder for an actor to deliver that kind of dialogue because, you know, you're acting, It's so it's not awkward, but you have to make it seem awkward. And then you can't use your body because it's animation, so you're only using your voice. That can't be easy, but this this was done so beautifully. 
uh, after this incredibly awkward dialogue, um, <laughs> Kathy shows up in a very, very sexy outfit, and she and Bruce leave to go to, of all places, the Iceberg Lounge. Uh, we should note that outside uh, outside uh, Wayne Tower, uh, Bullock and Sonia are watching Duquesne the whole time, and they, they follow after Bruce and Kathy. Um, so we go to... The ice no, wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You kind of, you, you kind of gloss over something Bullock says there. He says something to the effect of, "Oh, the trash taking out the trash." Yeah. Now I can understand him thinking Duquesne is trash. He is the daughter of a thug. Okay, that's fine. But since when does he have a problem with Wayne? Yeah. I don't understand why he would think he was trash. Have have yeah. Bullock and Wayne ever had any a- interactions before where he showed a disliking for him or anything at all? I don't know if those two have ever come in contact. I mean, and I am talking about Bruce and Bullock, not Batman and Bullock. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they've ever come in contact at all. Yeah, so I even I even think about that. But you're right that that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, I mean, you could chalk it up to maybe him being jealous. You know, here's, you know, an attractive man, a very rich man taking out an attractive young rich girl, and he's a fat schlub that's just scarfed down a whole box of donuts or whatever in the police car, you know? Um, I, I don't know. It, I, I don't know if it's jealousy or if he just doesn't like Gotham's elite because he doesn't like the rich because he's working class. I, I don't get it. It's just so out of left field. I don't know which way they were going with it. How sad is it that the best animation in this movie happens during the song and dance number that opens the iceberg lounge scene? <laughs> yeah, I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that it is, it's, it is, it's very good animation, but mm. it's the only one, <laughs> or mm-hmm. I should say one of very, very few really good animation moments in this movie. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, uh, Bruce and Kathy walk through the lounge with, and all the while, there's, we have all these trashy guys wh- whom I don't understand how they got into the Iceberg Lounge in the first place, other than the fact that they're mobsters. Uh, uh, they're, they keep hitting on Kathy at every turn. And they finally sit down at their table. And Bruce starts getting kind of testy at uh, Kathy, asking her, look, why did you come here? You you say you want to get away from uh, your, you know, the basically from your dad and you come here to a known a known front I, I i for lack of a better word i'm i'm I'm, I'm butchering the dialogue here but he's basically saying look it's almost like you want people to see you here and uh she gets all pissy and she says i don't like your tone and i'm going to go think about it in the uh, ladies room essentially <laughs> so uh yeah i i really dug Bruce getting stern because we don't see him do that all that often with people that aren't in the bat family. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've seen him get stern with people as Batman, but as Bruce Wayne, he's normally, you know, from BTAS, he was the bumbling Bruce Wayne over in Gotham Knights. You know, he was the more suave, but still cool headed Bruce Wayne. But here he's like, what the fuck is your problem? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, Bruce. All right. You tell her because I don't even understand what she's doing. Why is she here if she hates this lifestyle? <laughs> and I feel this is the best place to mention that I cannot stand that twala stuff. It is so annoying. 
But uh, anyway, we have a little scene shift here to the uh, to Penguin's office, and we find out here that the muscle he hired was in fact Bane. Um, in the office, Batwoman shows up and attacks Penguin uh, with. Uh, the same metal alloy that Rocky was introducing to uh, the, Wayne, the Wayne Enterprises uh, board of directors earlier in the movie. And Lark and Raven managed to get in there in the nick of time from to you know save him from being sliced to ribbons by the metal. So the fight spills out into uh, the common area of the lounge where uh, Batman shows up and saves Batwoman's life from apparently what can only be described as a bat-seeking missile. Uh, well, it's not that we're calling it Bat. It's that that's what the Penguin calls it. And then it actually starts following only Batwoman around. Oh, man. Where did Penguin get a missile that's cued to her DNA or heat signature or aura or I don't even know. Where did he get something like that? Because if he has weaponry like that, why doesn't he just shoot like like all these missiles into the sky and cue them to Batman's signature? You know, just yeah. take them out. <laughs> so anyway, uh, one gets the upper hand on Batman when Batman sees Kathy standing in the doorway as uh, Batwoman has been doing all this nonsense with the fighting and the gliding out of the roof of the Iceberg Lounge. So he's he's just shocked. He doesn't know what to think because he was sure that it was Kathy. And uh, he gets knocked down by – like some guy crashes a chair over the back of his head and knocks him into the, the uh, pool where Penguin starts shooting those bat-seeking missiles into the pool. <laughs> but he uh, blows the pool up with a bat charge and um, chaos ensues. There's water spilling out everywhere and uh, he manages to get away. And outside the uh, outside the lounge, we see Bane's limo pulling up, and uh, with all and we have all these people just pouring out of the lounge in panic. And so he goes into uh, Vaminos, and they drive off so he could meet Penguin at an, another time. The lip syncing in this entire scene was hideous. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but. Bane, Penguin, everybody. The the, the lip syncing was just it was an abomination. Uh, and uh, you know more animation problems there. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else to say about this uh, scene besides the bat seeking missiles? Well, one of the things that I thought was interesting about this scene is that they, you know, flat out tell you, flat out in quotes, that Kathy isn't Batwoman, nor is Sonya Batwoman, because Sonya's out in the car with Bullock. So at this point, we're supposed to assume that it's uh, Rocky. Yeah, and I also thought um, it was kind of neat that they, when they had the fight scene with uh, Raven, Lark, and uh, Rocky, who was obviously in the Batwoman suit at that point, uh, you know, her fighting skills are not the best, and she she gets noticeably uh, knocked down several times. So, mm-hmm. but in the, and they explain later that you know, or she explains to Batman later that she took uh, martial arts. Uh, but she's clearly not – She's she can handle her own, but she's not the best. So I, I thought that was neat. It was more playing to her little – her awkwardness and her not completely being in control, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, anyway, after this scene, we go back to the Duquesne household. Uh, 
with Bruce apologizing to Kathy. I don't know where where Bruce like. I don't know, maybe he, I don't know where he found the time to get back into his uh, tuxedo and whatnot <laughs> and uh, find Kathy and everything else. But uh, he apologizes to Kathy for jumping to conclusions about her and uh, you know for yelling at you know all but yelling at her in the uh, lounge. And they're about to kiss when uh, one of the Duquesne's bodyguards appears and says that uh, Carlton wants to speak to her, and uh, they part ways. And in the next scene. We have Sonya meeting Batman in the subway, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is where we, we get more uh, background information on her. She tells Batman that he saved her life about nine years ago from Rupert, Thor- uh, Rupert Thorne's arsonists, and that's why she became, uh, became a cop. And uh, that's that's the extent of Rupert Thorne's uh, yeah. <laughs> his, his uh, reason for being in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Rupert Thorne burned down my daddy's house. I want revenge on him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They really just should have created like a whole new mobster that we had never seen before. I just don't get why they wasted Thorne like this. They should have just brought back Roland Daggett or somebody because <laughs> yeah. he was he was already useless enough. So yeah, was it gonna, what was it going to hurt bringing him back? Yeah. <sighs> Anyway, and the ensuing scene, we're back in the Batcave, and Bruce confirms uh, through a scan of a wire he took from the Penguin's office that it's the same alloy that Rocky developed uh, to show to the board of directors. Here's another question. When did Bruce have the time to go scanning the Penguin's office? Oh, yeah. I believe after this, we have a momentary shift to Stonegate Penitentiary. Uh, yeah. Where Rocky is visiting her very Dick Grayson-looking boyfriend, <laughs> who was yeah, framed. Yeah, yeah, I know he, he's like a. Uh, I couldn't quite tell if he was supposed to be Spanish or Italian, but yeah, he was a, the Spanish or Italian Dick Grayson. Yeah, or maybe yeah. Bostonian. I don't know. It was a. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dan's gonna get on to me about that one if he, if he's yeah. actually seen this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, they, Rocky, he's visiting her boyfriend who was framed for smuggling by the thing, and that was it. I couldn't remember yeah. what the exact crime was, but it was smuggling. And uh, he tells her that he doesn't want to see her again uh, because she'd be wasting her life, and he he won't even get a chance for parole for like seven or eight years. I think it's five years because he's been in jail four, and he's got five more to go, and that means she's waiting around for him for nine years. So he's he's being cold to her. But he's doing it on purpose. You know, he's trying to he's trying to piss her off so she will want to get away from him instead of still pining for him at home. Just as you said, wasting away. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a short scene, but I, I liked what they were trying to do with it. I don't think they executed it as well as they could have, but they did OK. Yeah. Um, after this. We, she goes back to her apartment, and uh, Batman is uh, enters through her uh, through her window, and uh, she attacks him because she doesn't know who it is. She just sees this dark figure, and she just starts going into uh, self defense mode and starts like doing some actually some pretty good maneuvers. And mm-hmm. Batman then reveals himself and demands to know what she what you know what, what's going on. And, she, he says, "Nice moves for a computer geek." And she's, she, this is where she goes back into awkward mode. Like, um, well, you know, I took self defense. Like, 
so so what's wrong with that? And uh, they start arguing. Batman keeps telling her, "Look, uh, I know what what you're what's going on here, and I know I know where you were. Uh, I know that you left Wayne Tech. Uh, it's by seven, the night of the Iceberg Lounge incident, and." She, of course, she's again goes back and she's stumbling over where she can't really come up with even a halfway plausible alibi. And she tells, uh, she ends up just yelling at Batman saying, look, why don't you investigate the penguin instead of chasing after me? Because, you know, I'm sure you could find all, all kinds of dirt on him. And then Batman warns her about the dangers, uh, dangers of what she's doing. And he leaves to which Rocky is very annoyed because she looks at a picture of her boyfriend and says you sound just like him hmm. <laughs> um, um yeah. now what i thought was interesting about this scene is that later on batman's going over the security footage of wayne enterprises and uh he sees her working at the computer and he's yeah. like oh she was working that night now we'll get to the problems with that in a second but that means batman flat out lied to her when he said he knew that she didn't work late that night which i thought was pretty cool that he just like went on a hunch that she was lying and was calling her on it, but he himself was lying. Yeah. Um, he was just going on his knowledge as Bruce Wayne, knowing that she would be leaving by seven. Th- that's 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 true, but it presents a problem because if she was at her computer and Sonya was in the car with Bullock and Kathy was in the powder room, who exactly was Batwoman the night at the Iceberg Lounge? Now. I think we're supposed to assume, and I'm completely making this up, that Rocky being a computer geek tampered with the security footage and, like, looped it. So it looks like she stayed late, but she really didn't. And so she was the Batwoman at the Iceberg Lounge. But because they don't say that, we are supposed to assume she stayed late at work. But as I already said, Kathy's in the bathroom and Sonya's in the car. So was there a fourth person? The fact that he was able to actually back up her al- alibi hurts that scene because it makes it really confusing, in my mind at least. It's a Mobius strip of uh, logic mm-hmm. or chop- yeah. chopped logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't even think about that Batman was just lying to her. I thought that he actually, you know, knew she was gone at seven. And then the next scene, we have we just have a plot hole where, oh wait, she was there. Wait, what? Huh? But yeah, yeah. I can yeah I can definitely buy that he was lying to her. But still, mm-hmm. th- it doesn't explain who the hell was in that Batwoman suit. <laughs> right, because because Robin is the one who inadvertently comes up with the idea that there's multiple people as the Batwoman because he says. Uh, when Batman's reviewing the security footage, Robin says, well, it can't be her unless she can duplicate herself. Robin says, you think somebody's using her stuff? And then moments after that, Alfred goes, well, she can't be in two places at once unless she has the power to duplicate herself. Okay, you're right. Sorry, it was Alfred that said it. So that's where Batman realizes it's more than one person in the costume. And at that point, he only thinks that it's Rocky and um, Kathy. He thinks there has to be a connection there. It's later on he'll learn the truth about Sonya. But it's it still doesn't explain the security footage. You know, a simple line, just a real simple line, something to the effect of 
she doctored the footage to make it look like she was there. That that that's that's all you needed, and and we now know okay it was her. But when you start thinking about it, you get confused because you're like, how who was it then? Because everybody has an alibi. So after this, we finally get the meeting between Bane, Penguin, Thorne, and Duquesne, and uh, Bane d- uh, demands complete control of the operation. Uh, and the operation is Penguin is going to ship what's left of this. Uh, of their weapons uh, in this luxury liner so that nobody knows what's going on. Nobody's going to search through this. You know, nobody's going to suspect a luxury liner of carrying all these weapons. But uh, Bane starts demanding complete control of the operation, and Duquesne, in, who's already in a foul mood, uh, isn't too happy about this, but hey, what the hell is he going to do about it anyway? <laughs> um, Batwoman is sneaking around, and she's listening in on uh, in a and just behind a boiler, just listening in on the conversation. And Penguin, you know, Penguin reveals about uh, the luxury cruise liner stuff, and Bane punches a uh, just this big steel drum thing across the room and almost decapitates Batwoman, <laughs> and somehow manages to, to stay hidden. I don't know how, but um, th- this is where we go back to the Batcave, and Batman bashes the computer with his fist, and for some reason the computer doesn't explode. <laughs> Because, nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, this is where we we get all the, the, the revealing about Rocky being at the computer and Alfred saying, oh, well, unless she has the power to duplicate herself, it can't be her. So mm-hmm. at this point, Batman tells Robin to cross-reference uh, Rocky and Kathy in the back computer to find any kind of link that could connect them. And he he leaves because he's saying he's going to make a house call, meaning he's going to go sneak around uh, Kathy's room through her clothing and, uh, yeah, <laughs> he wants to sniff her panties. That's the end of the story. Pretty much. He hasn't gotten into them yet, and Batman wants to smell her panties. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I mean, yeah, because he goes through her drawers. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. every drawer in her room, she go- uh, he goes through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, Batwoman, uh, in the meantime, is flying back to the secret hideout, uh, which I guess is supposed to be in the sewer or somewhere. Uh and we find this is where we finally get the reveal. Kathy, Rocky, and Sonia are all Batwoman, and this is where they set the final plan into motion to destroy the uh, luxury yacht. So Kathy takes off as in the in the Batwoman suit off to the yacht. Um, the thing I love about this scene, I love how Kira Sedgwick is voicing Batwoman, and then all of a sudden, when Sonia takes the mask off, suddenly it's Sonia voice. Yeah. <laughs> It was just so weird. I mean, yeah. There's no there, there's no vocal equipment in there disguising her voice. It's just a a mask, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this <laughs> and here here we have the scene shift to Batman sifting through uh, her undergarments and everything. And uh, you know, we have the bodyguard, the bodyguard, the who still <laughs> has the black eye. Yeah. Um, and you know, before I even go any further, how is it Bruce Wayne can heal a black eye in less than? eight hours but but this guy has a black eye for days um poor animation yeah. <laughs> i'm not even gonna try to explain it <laughs> good call uh, so yeah this is but this is really funny because the bodyguard walks into her room because he hears he, he thinks he hears something he looks no no what he hears what he hears is <laughs> yeah uh, 
I can't imagine why I find this scene so pervertedly funny. I can't. Yeah. I just can't. Um, yeah. So anyway, he walks in, looks right at Batman, and he, Batman just stares at him completely still, does not move an inch. He looks. He looks at him. They look. They like they shift, man shift back to him. Shift to Batman. Shift back to him. And he just you know leaves the room. And the black guy, his his uh, chum, walks by in the hallway and goes, "Something wrong." And he goes, uh, nope. <laughs> it really, it's, it's quite funny. You have to see. I got to tell you, I literally laughed out loud when I saw that scene. Cause I was like, oh shit, what's Batman going to do? Throw a battering at him or something? You know, are we going to get another fight in the house? And then he just closes the door behind him. Something wrong? Nope. <laughs> and, it, and then the black bodyguard just keeps on walking like, okay, whatever. It's, it's all cool. <laughs> Such a great moment. Because it's like, at this point, they're like, you know what? I'm tired of this fucking job. I'm tired of getting hit by vigilantes and thugs <laughs> and everybody else. I'm, just do what you want in her room, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, if there's any scene besides the Rocky Bruce scene earlier mm. that you see, just watch that. It's only like 30 seconds long, but you've got to yeah. see it. It really is classic. Yeah. So, uh yeah, anyway, Batman uh, continues searching through Kathy's uh, room, and he uh, finds her art studio. And this is where he finds the link to Rocky uh, that he's been looking for, because Robin contacts him over communicator and says, well, you know, I couldn't find any link between them at all. So there's really nothing that can connect them. And Batman says, yes, there is. He holds a, He has found a drawing book with a pencil drawing of Sonya. So after this, we get Kathy on the yacht. Uh, she's about to plant the the charge. But Bane, somehow, is in the one box that she plants the explosive on, and he's able to hear her coming, even though she's just kind of tiptoeing around, not making a sound. <laughs> Bane, and Bane now has psychic powers, too. Uh-oh, Batman, you better watch out. <laughs> Whoa, if Bane gets psychic powers, you're fucked, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Bane uh, captures her, and he calls Penguin to tell him that he hasn't left the harbor yet because he has Batwoman. And while this happens, we go back across town to uh, police HQ, and so Batman arrives, and he goes straight into just grilling her about, you knew Roxanne Ballantyne, and you were you were college roommates, and you, you know, Brock, Rocky brought the tech, Kathy had the connections or something, and... Mm. You and you had the scheme, so the jig's up. I know you're all Batwoman. Where is Kathy Duquesne? And at this point, Sonya is about to pull her gun on Batman. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. Because I, I mean that right there, that kind of I liked that scene in the moment, but then when we get to the end it sort of ticks me off because at the end, Batman and Sonya, they have this kind of bonding moment and everything's cool with them. Never mind that she was just about to shoot him in the face. And it's like, it, 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 it also bothers me. You know what? I'll, I'll save this spiel for when we get to the end. So I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I, I don't want to jump the gun with that spiel there. Okay. Uh, well, what happens after this is, Rocky contacts Sonya over their communicators and says that she, that the ship has not left shore. 
and she cannot get a hold of Kathy. So something has to be wrong. Um, now, Sonya, at this point, is she's scared shitless. She doesn't know what to do, and she just looks at Batman, and to get, just giving him a look of, oh, God, can you go fix this mess for us? <laughs> and um, after this, we go back to the yacht where Penguin and company arrive at the cruise ship, and Bane unmasks Batwoman, and Rupert Thorne and his deck of cards just he flings the deck of cards in and penguin's face it's, it's actually kind of funny in the moment yeah. and carl carlton's like what he this is where kathy now goes on the rant about what a scumbag he is and how it's his fault her mother died and it was and uh-huh. carlton you know he, he rears back to hit her but he stops himself uh yeah. thankfully penguin penguin then deduces that you know there's no way she's in this alone because she he distinctly remembers seeing Kathy at the Iceberg Lounge while Batwoman was tearing shit up. So he sticks a, a an umbrella in her face with acid dripping out of it, and Carlton goes to stop it. Well, actually, it's not quite true. Gas is coming out of it, but later on he shoots acid out of oh, it. Oh, right, right. Yeah, just, so, the, just the gas is coming out. Right. Now, just backing up just a second, I really like seeing Smart Penguin. Yeah, because he's not a dumb guy. No, he's not at all. I mean, he think about it. He run, he he has all these businesses that are fronts. You have to be really smart to make that work, and he does it. Sure, everybody knows what he's doing, but he's doing it well enough that they can't pin anything on him. Um, so the fact that he was able to go now, wait a minute. I remember you there, but Batwoman was doing her thing while you were elsewhere in that same building. It could you're not alone. There's no way, and I love that. I really do because. A lot of times Batman's villains, I don't want to say they're dumb, but they're not the smartest characters on the show. The detective work is usually safe for Batman. So to see one of them actually play detective, that, even though I'm not high on this movie, that is something I do like about it there. Oh, absolutely. Um, Because, you know, most of the detective work is safe for people in terms of villainry. uh, Mm -hmm. Villains, it's safe for Raish and, you know, Bane. So, yeah, it was nice to have Penguin get a little moment of uh, intelligence in there. Um, But, you know, after this, Carlton, this is where Duquesne is pretty much officially ousted from the group. (laughs) Uh, Because he tries to stop Penguin from pointing that umbrella in in Kathy's face, and Bane just attacks him and starts strangling him. And Penguin says, look, you tell me who else is involved, or uh, Daddy ain't going to have a neck much longer. Um after this, I believe, is where Batman arrives. Oh, yeah, Batman arrives and drop kicks Bane, and this is where the fight's on. And really, from here on, uh, it's just it's a lot of fighting, and Kathy eventually yeah. plants the bomb, uh, which causes the ship to explode. And then it's all about you know saving uh, Duquesne, who's been tied up by Bane, and Batman duking it out with Bane, and the, the boat about to crash into that ob- obscenely long bridge. <laughs> Yeah, that's really it. I mean, this it's pretty much nonstop fighting until we get to uh, uh, Bane's downfall and uh, the the scenes afterwards where we uh, have uh, some... Well, well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because there's a couple of things we should mention. Yeah, there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of action going on. But we do get some resolution in that uh, Kathy is hanging. Uh, her cape has caught. 
what are those things called? Uh, or not, what's the word I'm looking for? A girder? Yeah, something. Yeah, it's been caught on something and she's hanging there and her dad comes to rescue her. And it, for a moment, it looks like he's going to leave her to die to just let her cape rip and fall into the, you know, the bottom of the ship where, of course, if that doesn't kill her, it's the ship's going to sink or explode and that'll kill her. But then he comes back with one of those, uh, Lifesaver life things that he's able to, right, yeah, that he's able to throw down to her, which she can then grab and he can lift up. So we get resolution between them. You know, it's sort of an apology. I know I fucked up. I know I led to mom's death, but let's start anew, you know? And then uh, after the fight with Bane and Batman, Bane's taken care of, possibly killed even. Um, not that Batman kills him. It's just he literally can't save him. Batman is so weak. At this point, yeah. he, Bane just has to fall to his doom. Um, and Sonya saves Batman's life, so we get a bit of resolution there. And does what does Rocky? What does Rocky do? Does she save anybody? Does Rocky saves any? Rocky saves Sonya from drowning. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so you know, so they each have like this little moment to shine. Some of them get, as I said, some resolution to their story um, also, during the action scene. So it's it's not just all action. There are little bits of story going on. Yeah, I'm sorry. What were you that's, that's true. I, I should also note that uh, Rocky's the one that causes penguins and Thorn's little motorboat to capsize when uh, she, like, wraps it around the, the boy. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Rocky even had a couple of moments there. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, this is – when we have the uh, – the onset of the scene where Bane is unmasking Kathy, we get more and more of this amigo, and he calls Batman Senior Batman. <laughs> Did he? I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Holy God. shit, that's glorious. That, that oh. is just phantasmonious or not. <laughs> it's just, it, his, his Spanish is so over the top. It's just, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> And it reminds me, it actually reminds me of uh, this skit I saw where it was like, it was supposed to be parodying, parodying a, a uh, like Spanish soap operas, like on Telemundo. And the, mm-hmm. the people, it's like Cedric the Entertainer's in it and all, and they're like speaking Spanish that everybody knows. Um, I did actually, but I did like the fight between Bane and Batman. It was another great, yeah. another great clash between these two because these two have some great fights. Um, and most of Batman's fighting is just him trying getting Bane up against a wall and knocking him backwards and stuff. It's really, Bane really just beats the crap out of Batman right and left. Yeah. It's like all of Batman's ribs are probably just turned to dust, Yeah, you know, cause he was getting bear hugged for so long. I mean, think about it, he's so weak at the end. He can't hold on to his grapple even. Yeah. He's trying, he's trying for dear life, but he can't do it. Um, yeah. Batman literally gets the shit kicked out of him here. He absolutely does. And cause think about it when he even, he has to resort to throwing that, uh, the, the, the alloy at Bane Yep. and the alloy starts crushing Bane and it does actually sever his wire. But Bane is so strong that he's able to actually break through that alloy and Batman, the look on his face is like, Oh shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like I wasn't expecting that. And Bane doesn't shrink right away, even though his his vet, the feed to his venom has been cut. He still has some life in him, mm-hmm. and he's still doing his Bane thing. And it's like, oh man, Batman is so screwed. And I don't remember how it ultimately plays out. Doesn't is that when the boat crashes into the bridge? Yes, that's the okay. only reason Batman lives is because that boat yeah. crashes into the bridge. And another, actually, another thing I should say about the fighting: there's something we don't get to see ever. I don't think Batman getting punched as he's grappling something. Because 
Bane, once Bane starts the Venom infusion, he mm. charges at Batman. Batman shoots his grapple up, but it was a little too late because Bane punches Batman in the face as he's going up the grapple, and he starts, like, spinning around as he's going up. It's a great... It, that's another one of those few really good animation moments. I don't know if I caught that. Yeah, go. If, have to watch it again. Yeah, if you go back and look at it, just you know, fast forward to the uh, where Bane is pumping the venom in at just on the first on the onset. He charges mm-hmm. at Batman and just punches him right in the face as he's go, as he's going up the grapple. So it's like mm. it, it was really, it was kind of funny, but it was kind of cool at the same time to seeing him all loopy going up up the grapple. He's like, ugh, <laughs> ugh, ugh. yeah. Um, but after all the the villains have been. Uh, you know, downed or captured or whatever. And we should note that Bane does not die there. He comes back in Batman Beyond. Um, does he? Yeah. He, remember, he's in a wheelchair. He's been, the Venom has just destroyed his body. It's. No, I mean, I think I've said it before on the show. I'm not all that familiar mm-hmm. with Batman well, Beyond. Well, I'm not either. It's, seen... just, it's just one of those things I remember. One of the few th- okay. really things that sticks out in my mind from Batman Beyond. Yeah, I, I've probably seen maybe, maybe half of the Batman Beyond episodes. Uh, so there's there's certain things that I just don't remember. And Bane in a wheelchair, no, I'm not remembering that. But good, good. I'm glad they bring him back. We should note, after all the villains are down, we know that the ship crashed into the bridge. Yet, when the firefighters arrive on the scene, the ship, the, the charred remains of the ship are ashore. Well, we see the ship run ashore. Do we? We actually do. Yes, we do. Uh, because what happens is it it tries to go under the bridge, and there's those uh, smokestack things, whatever. That's what crashes into the bridge. Those get ripped off because the ship's trying to move forward, but, you know, the, it's it's prying those things off. Those fall into the water, and it does run ashore. And then that's when we see the firemen, and they're all hosing it down on, on the beach there. Wow, I really didn't see that. It's sort of a blink-and-you-miss-it sort of thing, but you do see it hit the, the rocks, yeah. After this, we... Bullock, Bullock's like, Sonia? When he sees <laughs> Sonia in the Batwoman costume. And, you know, Sonia's dismissed from the force, but... Uh, no, wait, hang on, hang on, hang well, on. Well, I'm, I'm just, le- I'm just push- leading into this, you know. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> Not only does does uh, Bullock go, Sonia, he stares at her, um, her chest, we'll say, when he sees her in that uh, very form-fitting costume. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's there's no doubt what he's looking at, and he doesn't care who catches him doing it, you know? Because, really, what is she going to do? Yeah, <laughs> and that's the essence of Harvey Bullock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's nothing she can do. You know, whatever he's doing in that moment, um, it's no worse than everything she's just tried to do. So if he's copping a look, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So after this, this is, this is where we shift to... Uh, the Gotham City Police Department again, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Sonya's packing up her belongings in, into a box, and um, Batman arrives in the in the room and gives her evidence that will clear uh, clear Rocky's boyfriend so he can be released from prison. Um, and, you know, this is what you were saying earlier, where we have Batman and Sonya, like, Sonya's saying, well, look, you know, I mean, it's one thing to condone vigilantism, but uh, even Gordon won't hire one. So, uh, but yeah, didn't you want to say something about, about this? Yeah, here's here's that rant I wanted to get into earlier. So, 
what they say here is that the DA's being lenient and they're letting all three women off with a slap on the wrist. I mean, okay, sure, you know, Sonia's losing her job. There's no doubt that uh, Rocky's been fired from uh, Wayne Enterprises. Um, chances are that uh, Kathy's fortune has been taken away because it was ill-gotten and her dad's now in jail. So, you know, they're all going to have... There's all little punishments they have to suffer, but they're not going to jail, despite the fact that they actively tried to kill people. Granted, they were bad dudes. They were. But multiple counts of attempted murder, possible accounts of actual murder, because that boat, you know, there were several explosions on it. And sure, we saw the goons getting off, but did all of them make it off? Uh, maybe, maybe not. But at the very least, attempted murder. Um and to arson. show you how, yeah, yeah, arson several times, you know, and to show you how far gone these ladies were, Sonia almost pulled a gun on Batman, on Batman, and everything's forgiven at the end, all charges dropped by the DA, and Batman's like, oh, you'll get on with your life, everything will be okay. A cop was going to shoot him because she was actually a, a villain in a way, parading as a vigilante like and and he's okay with this really i don't think so i mean it's the whole ending is is terribly convenient is really what it is like we don't want to put these girls in jail so we'll come up with some half-assed excuse for them being for them just getting to walk away yeah pretty much it, it was so lame so lame i mean i mean i would have been happy with they went to jail for like a couple of years you know, and it just it was really just a slap on the wrist that we got to give them something. We can't let them go because of what they did. I mean, think about it. They blew up a building in the middle of Gotham. They blew up a yacht that had tons of weapon on it, weapons on it, I should say. They kicked other weapons all over the street, which we don't know where they ended up because, as you pointed out, the, the police force only has a handful of them. Um, uh, and they just endangered so many lives. There's no way they get to walk away from this. None. To compound this problem, Bruce is actually willing to date someone who tried to kill several yes. people. Awesome. Yes. He won't date Selena Kyle because she steals stuff, but he'll date Kathy Duquesne. Wow. That yeah. that pisses me off. It really does. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just it's that's pathetic. It, it really yeah. is. That this makes me even angrier than what happened with uh, – we were discussing on our last episode with Chemistry where they completely butchered the Bruce Wayne character, in my opinion. This just takes it just into another galaxy of stupidity. You're right, because it would have been one thing if Kathy had never – like, okay, let's say Kathy was just supplying them with information, and it was only Sonya that was Batwoman, or it was Sonya and Rocky who were – parading around the town as Batwoman. And uh, Kathy was just giving them information about her dad's business. That's something else entirely, you know? But because she put on the suit, because she did herself set those bombs, or at least one of the bombs, that being the one on the boat, you can't... You, you, Bruce just can't let that go. He can't. She tried to murder people. Murder people. Yes, it was in the... You know, it was she, her goal was ultimately to to clean up crime, to stop these guns from getting in the hands of terrorists. But still, as you said, James, if he won't go out with a thief, how can he justify going out with someone who has attempted murder on their head? 
Oh, pathetic. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in a lighter note, um, Batman, Batman, Bruce, and Kathy are kind of flirting with each other at the end there, and Kathy says, "Oh, you know, don't worry about me." Actually, you know, let me take that back. Bruce actually has a decent line here, and he talks about, well, you know, I woke up this morning and I noticed there was no police, no, no explosions, no, ar- you know, whatever. And then I noticed how much I missed you. Yeah, what I hate that, mm. hate that part of the line, but I like the lead up into it. Kathy says, no, that's the old Kathy Duquesne. No more for that. Um, so Bruce just kind of looks at her like, hmm, and. Kathy then says, mm, "Well, maybe an explosion every now and then. Are we to take? Are we to infer from this that when she, when Kathy says an explosion every now and then, she means orgasm?" Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just, uh, just That's, I wanted to confirm that. You know? Right. I, I wasn't when I heard that line. I wasn't trying to be perverted. At that point, I was deciding what I was going to score it. You know, I was waiting for the credits to roll, and I heard that, and I was like, "Wait, what? What? What?" Okay, good for you, Bruce. Go have sex with someone who's attempted to kill a lot of people. Go for it. The end. Yeah, thankfully, the end. Um, What else do you want to say about this one? Uh, Not a lot. It's not a deep movie in any stretch Mm -hmm. of the imagination. Um, It has horrible animation uh, all across the board. and lip syncing. There's there's numerous lip syncing problems too, not just the one that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I did like a lot of the voice acting. I, re- I really did, especially Kelly Ripa. I thought she did a, a great job as Rocky. That was uh, Rocky is really one of the best one-off characters we've yet seen. So I have to give it props for that. Uh, the fights between Batman and Bane were really good, uh, as, as pretty much all Bane Batman fights are. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, it's not a very good movie. It, it, it really, it's got too many plot holes and, uh, among, uh, among many other problems. So, yeah. What about you? Yeah. Um, I have a quick question for you. What have been the Batman movies that we've reviewed so far or the animated movies? There was Fan- Mr. Freeze, Sub-Zero and Phantasm. Mass of the Phantasm and this one. Okay. So there's been three animated movies and none of them have really been about Batman. Think about it. Mr. Freeze was about, of course, Mr. Freeze and Batgirl, Barbara. Mm-hmm. Um, Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, it's it's about Batman, but it's really more about Bruce and yeah. his relationship with um, that woman whose name I can't remember right now. You know, and the Joker's uh, animated origin. Um, and this one is all about, okay, granted it says it in the title, Batwoman. But there isn't all, it isn't about Batman, really. Um, and I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just think it's interesting that they would go this route. You know, they have these 75 to 90-ish minute movies to showcase, you know, Batman. And ultimately, they don't. They end up showcasing other characters. Um, a bit gutsy. Um, but my thoughts about this, you know... Like I said, it, it does some things right. You know, the, the Rocky character is great. Could have had more of her, though. Um, that fight with Bane is cool. I feel like I'm just going to repeat everything you said, <laughs> you know? Um, I did I did like the Batwoman costume. 
not necessarily because they were trying to bridge the gap between the Batman costume and the Batman Beyond costume, but just I, I like the aesthetic of it, you know, with, with the silverish gray and the pink. I thought that was an interesting choice, throwing some pink on there. Um, I, 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 but it did so many things wrong. <laughs> I meant to mention this before. You know, clearly... What we can, from what Sonya tell, uh, told Batman, we can infer that Batman is in fact not a fully deputized agent of the law. <laughs> that would be true, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just boring, really. I mean, it is. It, it has those moments where you chuckle, you know, it catches you now and then, but really it just doesn't hold your interest. And that's a shame, because this could have been really good. You know, we have these three women running around. They've teamed up to try to trick the authorities and Batman into thinking there's one Batwoman, but there's really three of them. They each bring something different to the game. They each have their own motives, but they're, they've come together to beat all the bad guys in one broad stroke. That's a really great pitch, but it just... It, I, I honestly want to say it fell flat because they had Bruce with Kathy and not Rocky, who was a more compelling character. Yes, um, much more likable character. Exactly, exactly. And they could have done so much more if Rocky started dating Bruce because she could have started to feel jealous about her boyfriend being in jail and how she's leaving him, but she doesn't want to. You know, that that could have made for a great uh, little subplot there, some character motivation. Um but that's, it's just not the way they went. They went with this other character that was just sort of like, hi, I'm sexy and troubled and rich. Woe is me. Like, okay, I'm sorry that your mom died, but you're sexy and rich, you know? <laughs> oh, I, I want to see more about the geeky girl. You yes. know, come on. More of her, please. Let's get her in the bikini. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Anyways, also, <laughs> we should mention that uh, before we get to our scores about uh this movie we're also going to talk about uh the chase me short which is on the dvd right um we're not going to score the short because it's a short you know i mean it's a it's a six and a half minute cartoon i mean how do you score that now people are going to say wait a minute aren't you covering gotham girls yeah we are going to cover gotham girls down the line but we're going to score those all as one we're not going to score each individual I don't even know how long those Flash cartoons are. Let's say they're two minutes long. We're not going to score each two-minute cartoon. They're just going to get one overall score. So that's how we can justify scoring those and not this. So, uh, James, uh, why don't you, I don't know, in 30 seconds, synopsize what Chase Me is all about. Bruce is having a party. Selena shows up at said party uh, as Bruce is trying to get away from the mobs of women uh, chasing after him. And uh, he sees Selena stealing stuff out of his safe. Uh, Selena manages to trap Bruce against the wall with some shurikens or something, and uh, she runs away. But at, you know, moments later, she's several blocks away, and Bat, uh, Batman shows up, and they start running all over the city on a, like on a train and uh, through uh, the zoo. And eventually Batman does catch up to her. Uh, and they have a very, uh, a very romantic moment actually. And they, like Bruce 
Bruce. <laughs> well, Batman mm. actively uh, grabs uh, Catwoman and kisses her, like really, really kisses her. And uh, Catwoman is just smitten. She you know, and uh, as you know, as this is happening, the cops are pulling up. So you know, she has dropped the, ba- uh, the bag of stuff she was selling, and uh, she thinks, you know, wow, maybe you know, maybe he's going to let me get away as long as I leave the stuff here and. Lo and behold, Batman has handcuffed her to a gate, so she is, in fact, captured. And after this, we um, we have a like a, a camera fade. It's real. It's really nicely done. Uh, we have Catwoman looking down, and it fades to Bruce's uh, very sullen face back at uh, his little party. And he's he you know he really feels bad about what he's just done what, about getting Selena captured again by the police and. Then uh, the women start hounding him again, and I think that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, you know, it was cute. It was. Um, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I know some people take cute in a bad way, but no, that's that's really what it was. You know, it was meant to be a short, romantic little piece explaining why Batman can't be with a thief, but he can have sex with an attempted murderer. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, no, it, it really gives you all you need to know about the Batman-Catwoman dynamic. You know, they're always at odds. It's never going to change. You know, they might want to be together. They might even have little moments where they are together, but they can never end up together. And it's all set... Uh, you know, against some uh, kind of lively jazz music. Yeah, because you know um, this is a silent film, right? So I mean, it's and it's I like I like that they did that. I'm glad there was no there were no words in it. The only thing I really wish they would have done, I, this is just you know fanboyism here. I wish that after Catwoman had been handcuffed to the gate and we shift back to the party, mm-hmm. I would have loved it if Selena had shown up at the party. Yeah, and then yeah, and then I actually thought Bruce, that was going to be her tapping him. Yeah, yeah, and then she and Bruce start dancing, and that's how yeah. it's you know, and, and, you know, because of course Bruce can't do anything there because he you know he would reveal that he's Batman, but you know you know that Bruce would have danced with her, right, and, and yeah. probably you know smiled too. I right. I wish that was how they would have ended it, but you know that would have been cool. Yeah, now I will say that this. He might not have danced with Catwoman, but I think he might have danced with Black Canary. Okay, when there's the three women who pull him away from the window in the beginning, and, you know, he dances with one, dances with another, and then he sees that long line of women just waiting to dance with the dashing Bruce Wayne. And one of them is, has Black Canary's haircut, her face, the little choker she wears, the black top, and the blue coat. Now, I think she's wearing a dress instead of the, uh, the the fishnets that she is normally seen in. But from the waist up, it's all the way up to the top of her head, it's Black Canary. And I, I don't know if that was intentional, if it's coincidental, but I don't know. I see that as Canary wanting to get a dance with Bruce Wayne. Hey, why not? <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, now, here's a question I have about this short. Did it actually happen? Did Bruce see Selena stealing from him, then suit up, go after her, and go back to the party? Or are we to assume by the fact that he's looking out the window watching the police cars that he he instead knew he couldn't leave the party, 
changed his coat because it got ripped up by her little throwing stars, then went back to the window and was lamenting the fact that he couldn't chase her and that he had to leave it to the police. Um, Or there's another way to look at it. Did none of that happen? That he never left the window. The women never pulled him away. He never saw Catwoman robbing him. So the start with him at the window is actually all a fantasy leading up to that one woman pulling him away at the end. And he's simply thinking, when he sees those police cars, he's simply thinking about maybe they're going after Catwoman and, oh, woe is me, I can't be with her. Your third explanation there, the final one, I could buy that one. But I'm still, I'm leaning towards, yes, it all actually happened. I'm really going with the second one for me that he couldn't get away for whatever reason he couldn't chase her so he called the police let them deal with it went back up to the window watched all the cars go by heading after her that's why they're passing in front of the building and all he can do is stare and be sad that he can't go after this woman that he really wants to go after i don't know i'd like it if our listeners could write in and let us know what they think. Did he go after her? Was he fantasizing about going after her? Or was it the third option, that none of it happened at all, and he was just fantasizing about going out as Batman and maybe running into her? Because one of the things that makes me think it was a fantasy, whether it's the second or third option, is the way he kissed her. It wasn't just oh, you know, he leaned in and kissed her. It's He really grabbed her and spun her around and gave her this really romantic sort of movie-like kiss. That's not very Batman. That's not even very Bruce Wayne. No. That seems more of a romantic fantasy to me. If if I could give in, if I could just say, you know what, I don't want to be Batman. I just want to be with her. No matter what she's done with her life, this is how I would embrace her. That's how it comes across to me. I mean, I still stand by it all happened, but I could okay. I could absolutely see it the the third one especially where none of it happened he was just and he was just fantasizing so then should we get into our scores of batman mystery of the batwoman uh let's see i'm going to grade this a four uh and most of that is for uh rocky and the bane batman fights agreed with the score and with what you just said working late again yeah Fortunately, my boyfriend is very understanding. What about yours? Girlfriend. I mean, of course, girlfriend. After all, considering your reputation. Not that it's bad or anything, or even any of my business, because it's not. I was just curious. How red is my face? Crimson. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll take a look back at all of Superman the Animated Series and Gotham Knights, and we'll rescore a handful of episodes. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. Mm-hmm.